This is the True Real Estate 911 podcast with Lisa True. Lisa will share up-to-date real estate information with you that you need to know. Welcome to True Real Estate 911. It is Brian Mudd with, of course, your local real estate pro, Lisa True. And if you're not already there, go to truerealestate911.com. Why? Well, because uh, no BS. It is the single best resource for local real estate that you're going to find. You even have the ability uh, to search real estate in real time on the MLS. Uh, you are not going to find that service for free anywhere else. But the truth is, they do make it available because it's all part of the experience with the True Group, which starts when you have questions. So if you do have questions, if you are thinking about buying, if you are thinking about selling, well, seven days a week, the Trues are also here to help you. 561-972-8326. That's 561-972-8326. And on today's show, we're going to talk about something that has become a real hot segment of the market. That is the crypto trade when it comes to real estate. Cryptocurrencies have obviously uh, captured the American imagination and the worldwide imagination over the past year in particular. And a lot of folks are looking at realizing the value of cryptocurrency and the appreciation that many have experienced buying, transacting in real estate. And so we're going to talk about this process throughout the course of the show today. And Lisa, before we get going, if you could just kind of give us a, a little um, update on where we stand within the local real estate market. We are seeing, if you just drive down any of our popular streets, the seasonal buyer is in town. You know, we I went to a, a beach property yesterday and driving to this, this great home, everywhere I looked, the restaurants were full, the streets were full, the shops were full. You know, winter is still happening everywhere except <laughs> so probably true. Florida and California. And so we are seeing them come enjoy and then purchasing and so if you think that the real estate market is quiet in florida right now it is absolutely not it is super busy and then the jumping around of interest rates for our spring market which normally starts remember about march 15th it's starting a little bit early because anytime there's changes positive or negative to our interest rates it causes people to say "Ooh, let me pay attention sure so we're starting to see our spring summer season start a little bit early. We're seeing, you know, what we would say our June, July, August closings. Those buyers are starting to say, how do I get out there, find my home and lock in my interest rate before they go up more? Yeah, you actually triggered one thought that I wanted to touch on because I think it's super important. I have been so frustrated by so many of the overhyped interest rates are going to crash the housing market stories out there because it's, there's a lot of nonsense. Yes, it's true. Uh, that we are seeing interest rates increase. We've seen them uh, in recent weeks touch four-year highs at certain intervals, uh, though you can still, with uh, short-duration mortgages, obtain a mortgage under 4% with good credit right now. But the bigger thing that people are missing is the larger point here. Why are interest rates rising? Well, they're rising because the economy is doing better. Why is the economy doing better? Well, in large part, because people are doing better. And Lisa, one of the things that I was taking a look at in the aggregate we had, uh, coming out of January, the biggest pacing for income growth that we've had uh, in 12 years in terms of wage increases and bonuses. Last year, the average person year over year made 2.9% more. This year, we're pacing 3.6%, and that's without the benefit of tax reform, which for the average person making the average income, they benefit by 4%. You put it all together, and the average person has well in excess of 7% more money in their pocket than they did this time last year. 
even if they're just working at the same relative job. And so that means necessarily that people can afford slightly higher interest rates. And this is not going to do anything to destabilize the, the housing market. And the recent studies by future home buyers is that they are not panicked about it. I mean, when you ask them, no one is panicked. However, I will say they are paying attention. Sure, should be. Right. So if they can go ahead and move up their plans a couple months, they're starting to do that. But they're certainly not saying, oh, well, if they get to a certain level, I'm not buying a home. That is absolutely not what we're seeing. We're seeing them once again being very optimistic about the future. Yeah. And obviously when you get open that paycheck and it's more than what you expected. And that was the reaction. Many people, sure. including my own t team members, when they opened their check, the, one of them said, did I get a raise? <laughs> and I said, well, no. Well, why did my paycheck go up? Um, tax reform, you right. know. So I think that it's it's um, always smart to pay attention to interest rates and to realize that as our economy gets better, interest rates are going to go up. It's not a bad thing, right? Right. I mean, remember when interest rates were so low, nobody could find a job. Sure. Right? Or their jobs they could find were very low paying. So it's a good thing that we're having financial growth and stability, and eventually rates will come back to a normal, you know, range. Uh, we have never been in this kind of range for so long in the threes and fours. Now, your point, I... I, I agree with you if you're getting a jumbo loan doing a 15 percent uh 15 year loan you know doing some of these 10 15 year pr products great interest rates still if you've got great credit so the jumbo product is still pretty attractive and the 15 year is really attractive so you know when we're looking at interest rates we're looking at a typical 30 year product right sure so there's still some great loans out there and so take advantage of it you know you don't have to have either or if you've got an increase in pay and you can keep your interest rate low then hey maybe you can take an extra vacation so many great points you bring up including uh, not taking this for granted if you are um, earning uh, significantly more money even if it's just through a tax cut uh, if not a, a wage and bonus increase as well be mindful that even uh, if you are looking at 30-year fixed in the mid-fours right now, the average historic 30-year fixed rate mortgage is still over 8%. And, you know, you take a look at that. The average impact, by the way, if we do see any rates normalized, about $900 in the average home in South Florida. So not something to take for granted. But, again, it's all relative, and there's no reason to think that housing is going to become less stable. It's simply a product of a better economy, which, by the way, part of a better economy is a new economy. And what we've been seeing is a – a sea change with so many folks looking for other forms of exchange. And for years, you had pretty much two lanes. You either had people that would uh, transact in various different currencies, and these would be recognized world currencies, or they would take a look at gold and maybe to a lesser extent, silver. Uh, these days, we know that cryptocurrency has certainly caught the imagination of many people. Used to be something that operated in the shadows, these days, it's mainstream, and right here in the middle of this conversation is an expert to be able to help guide us through some of the understanding and, and the process when it comes to actually realizing the benefit of the value of cryptocurrencies, as so many people are sitting on profits right now, and transacting with cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, uh, to be able to buy things like real estate. Uh, we are happy to welcome to the show Eric Neum. 
Eric uh, is the founder of The Cashflow Doctor and is an expert in the tax process and also a uh, real knowledgeable individual when it comes to cryptocurrencies as well. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me on, you too. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. And thanks, Lisa. Absolutely. So the first thing when it comes to cryptocurrencies, um, many people are aware of what they are. Many people are not necessarily aware of what to do once they are ready to use it as a medium of exchange. So the first thing if you could do for us, just kind of set up how it works with the exchanges and being able to transact using cryptocurrency. Yeah, so cryptocurrency is, is a pretty fascinating technology and it's pretty recent. So there are many people out there that are still really not familiar with it, other than the fact that they've heard of the word Bitcoin. And there's a lot of folks out there that still believe that it's magical internet unicorn money. <laughs> It's it's definitely it's definitely a new new way of transacting, and it's really fascinating the way of looking at it. And the whole concept behind it is the founders of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all the different currencies out there. They wanted a decentralized way of creating a medium of exchange that isn't controlled by a central government agency and allow them to basically transact worldwide on a immediate or a uh, very quick basis without additional fees from banks. Now, we know Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies right now, because of the demand, um, we're starting to see some of the technology limitations, but they're, they're constantly refining them and improving upon them. But basically, at the end of the day, these cryptocurrencies have a value attached to it or associated with it because of either what they call utility, meaning what you can do with the cryptocurrency or the technology behind it, or they have a value associated with it based on a hard limitation of how much could actually be produced. And so it's, it's, I don't want to say it's like a perceived scarcity because it's an actual scarcity, but at the same time, too, it's not like really tied to a hard asset. I mean, the U.S. dollar isn't tied to a hard asset either. Back in the day, back in the, you know, before the 70s, the U.S. dollar used to be tied to gold. So they call that the gold standard. And you could actually go and redeem in your dollar for, for hard gold, but they don't have that anymore. It's not attached to any type of asset. So the U.S. dollar is a faith-based currency, and it's much like cryptocurrency. As, um, however, there's no government that's tying cryptocurrency. But basically, at the end of the day, there's a value associated with your cryptocurrency. And just like anything else, is if you're the trade like a rare Camaro or a rare Mustang for another rare collectible car like a CUDA or something like that. There's a value associated with what your asset is. And then if you want to acquire another asset, you could effectively trade or exchange it for another asset. And that's how the IRS is seeing right now. They're looking at cryptocurrency as property as opposed to currency or as, as money or stock. That's kind of like the Reader's Digest kind of version of, of where we're at right now, cryptocurrency as a medium of exchange. And it's helpful because you laid it out in a very understandable way. And also what's important, and this is part of what's changed, and while some people viewed it as a short-term negative, the government and governments around the world beginning to regulate it. In another respect, in terms of it being legitimized as a medium of exchange, it actually does that in a way in which it wouldn't have been previously. And so uh, this is all something that is very transparent, something that is regulated, something that you can account for. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have to worry about the IRS knocking on your door if you do things properly. And so, uh, you know, to this end, Lisa, we have begun to see people transacting in what is often the largest purchase that one will make, and that is real estate. So talk to us a little bit about uh, what you've begun to see in the real estate market for folks that are looking to transact using cryptocurrency, most commonly Bitcoin. So we're seeing this most in our luxury market. 
We're seeing this a lot in South Florida, Miami specifically, where it's not only being offered, but it's being encouraged by sellers that this is the way they want the deal transacted, which is, to me, very interesting. Um, The first transaction actually happened in Austin, Texas, which is maybe not as as surprising. Um, I think they're very forward thinking in Austin, right? Sure. And so um, we are seeing properties in Miami, in Broward County, and I think you will continue to see this in Palm Beach County, where this is going to be featured and highlighted as it's available, welcomed, and encouraged by the the seller to have the buyer actually transacting and negotiating this way. Sure, and Austin is a top five technology hub in the country, to your point. Uh, when you talk about South Florida in particular, we know that we have a large international influence. And uh, to Eric's point about uh, not being uh, tied to a central government, many international buyers uh, are not as trusting of Uh, the government currency that they otherwise would be adhering to. Is that playing a role in the perceived interest in South Florida with the international sellers and buyers? I think so. I think this is going to be a workaround for some of the limitations that they have. I mean, one of the challenges we have in the international closing market is getting their money from their country to our country. Sure. Right. And it's just always such a challenge of, you know, how many days, weeks, months are we going to have to work to get that money transferred legitimately in order to be able to close that transaction? And and I think that this is one of maybe the workarounds for people in countries where regulations such that they really don't want the money leaving their country to come to ours. And so it definitely makes sense. I mean, one of the um, people that are, really are... Um, accepting this right now happens to be um, an owner that's from Venezuela. So, sure. you know, totally it, understand the governmental concerns in that particular situation. Sure. And so they are um, the seller is is not a United States citizen. They're they're um, this is a second property for them. And so once again, I think it's a an easier way for them to kind of manage this international financial movement of money. So speaking of the movement of money, the cash flow doctor himself, Eric Neum. Uh, so when you're seeing these types of transactions take place, if ultimately uh, Bitcoin could be used to transact in real estate, theoretically, it could end up uh, transacting for just about anything, um, I would imagine. And therefore, it, the questions that are raised, um, the complication of using it. I know that some folks who are pretty early adopters to Bitcoin in particular were concerned when the IRS did begin to look at every transaction with it as a taxable transaction. From a um, tax efficiency standpoint, is there a way to be able to transact uh, in a more regular way, in a way that doesn't complicate someone's life and taxes beyond the point of where they want to be? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So there's two facets to it. For larger transactions, again, because the IRS treats cryptocurrency as property, it's like selling one collectible and turning it into what they call fiat or American U.S. dollars. So if you're to buy Bitcoin at $100 and then you sold it today for the equivalency of $10,000, you would have a capital gain of $9,500. So there is a bit of a, a tax, I don't want to say burden, because if you're using it for a large transaction like a home, you just have that one transaction you're basically paying a capital gain tax on. And that, that's pretty common out here where I live in Southern California. 
Um, there's two transactions that happened at the Lamborghini Newport Beach where somebody bought a Pagani Zonda for $2 million and another person bought a Bugatti Veyron for about $2 million. And so same thing, you know, whatever the gain is on from when you had purchased it to when you had sold it, they're going to pay the capital gain tax on it. Congress, though, however, as is proposing a couple of new laws where if you're making a cryptocurrency transaction under $600, that won't be taxable, which would be great because, let's say, for example, if you're going to Starbucks to buy a latte, you don't want to be sitting there calculating how much you're going to be paying on tax on that $4 latte you're drinking. So in a larger transaction, yes, there will be taxable implications on the gain that you receive. But on smaller transactions, hopefully Congress will figure it all out and pass a law to allow uh, cryptocurrency to be used as an actual medium of exchange for smaller transactions. That's really good information. And I would imagine then the inverse would be true. We're talking about capital gains for uh, those that are sitting on gains. If someone is sitting on loss, this might end up being a, a tax benefit as they transact, I would imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they could carry it over like a typical uh, capital loss that you'd receive on uh, a stock transaction or a sale of an option. How much tax strategy is coming into play right now, especially with tax reform, when a lot of people are trying to figure out uh, what the new lay of the land is for them? And uh, now you enter into it cryptocurrencies. Could this be a way for people to be able to realize some tax efficiencies that maybe they wouldn't otherwise? Yeah, there are actually a couple of different tax efficiencies just because of how the IRS is treating cryptocurrency. It's really interesting. And I'm kind of on the leading edge of it, doing a lot of documentation and writing papers with regards to how cryptocurrency is being taxed. So one of it, for example, is because cryptocurrency is taxed as a piece of property and not as a security, a lot of my clients that are active traders, they could actually operate and do their trading inside of a business and utilize all the really cool deductions you could do as operating like a business, but without any of the, uh, the tax implications or the reporting requirements like a stock. So for example, I have a client that's actively trading in, I mean, last year he did probably about 4,000 transactions for the year, which is pretty high volume. Sure. And he's deducting his home office, he's deducting his internet expenses, he's deducting all of the masterminds that he's part of that's cryptocurrency related. So there are some tax efficiencies that work really great for active investors. But at the end of the day, cryptocurrency, just like a stock or a bond or any type of property, the taxation is pretty typical. It's you either pay a long-term capital gain if you hold on to it for more than a year, or you pay a short-term capital gain if it's held on for less than a year. So you hear a lot of folks out there that say, well, I'm going to be what they call a hodler. A hodler is, is cryptocurrency terminology for I'm going to hold on for your life. I'm going to hold on to it for a while, and at some point I'll sell it. So if you're holding on to it for a longer period of time, you'll pay a lower tax rate. And if you're a day trader like a lot of folks are, we're actively trading different coins like Ethereum is one of them, or Litecoin or Ripple. Those are all popular different coins out there, and you're actively trading it. Then you're going to be paying a short-term capital gain tax. And from there, we have to craft a couple of strategies to help ensure that you're paying the minimum amount of tax that you're required based on those types of transactions. That's uh, really good information. Lisa, folks hearing this, I mean, one, it's a good education, what Eric is sharing and what you've been able to provide. You've always been on the leading edge of what is impacting in real estate. And so, you know, th this is just another tier in, in your offerings that if uh, somebody wants to list and is a Bitcoin uh, preferred seller, then you can accommodate. And likewise with buyers. However, if someone is, um, you know, sitting with cryptocurrency uh, and they're going, you know, I would like to transact, but I'm not sure that I fully grasp how this is going to work. You can handle those details, right? 
We can. And, you know, we're we're learning as well. You know, this is not something that I think is just going to go away tomorrow. And so, you know, what kind of regulations will come? Who knows? Right. uh, Out of this. But for now, you know, it is a great opportunity. And as people are getting more and more currency that they can use as trade. Right. They're looking for what do I do with this? And so we're going to have the, the team and the solutions together so that we can make sure that when we're going through the transaction, that we're making sure we're protecting our client in these decisions when this offer comes in. And so having resources like Eric, where maybe maybe they need to talk about taxes or maybe they need to understand more about the, the pitfalls Um, when they accept this offer. So just having those resources available for our clients. I've been watching Eric speak on this topic and he he gets it and he's in it every day. Sure. So, you know, having those resources for our clients is really, really important because this isn't the typical finance deal or, you know, proof of funds type of of situation. There there are two things that come to mind here and I'm taking a look. uh, you, You provided the current listings that are Bitcoin specific listings in South Florida. And they range in price from five hundred and fifty thousand to what was that six or fourteen point eight million? Right. So five hundred fifty thousand to fourteen point eight million. Now, a couple of things. One, if cryptocurrency became only one percent of the real estate market in terms of transactions, okay, fine. What you're still talking about is offering to a hundred percent of the market rather than to ninety nine percent, which makes sense anyway because there's added benefit for folks who take advantage of any potential opportunities that way. But secondarily, what jumps out at me is we're not talking about people that are looking for, uh, you know, first-time homes here. We're talking about people uh, that start at entry-level luxury and go up to super luxury. Uh, And now we're talking about another opportunity within an emerging market in the area where we have seen the softest real estate in South Florida uh, for quite some time now. And so this might be a way to be able to, once again, reach out. You do a highly effective job at marketing internationally to a lot of these folks that are in, in countries that are more inclined to want to use Bitcoin to transact. Yes. I, you know, I get a lot of calls from luxury sellers saying, I want one of those international buyers, right? <laughs> Everybody wants the international buyer. Why? Because they know that the statistics say that they spend more on properties per, per, um, than, than local people do. Um, they're looking for kind of that wow property, um, you know, something to show pictures back home, right? The resort stuff, and they tend to come with cash. And so if you are looking for that luxury international buyer, you at least have to be open to considering this because I think that for now it's, it's, there's a handful of examples. And yet as time goes and as more currency becomes available to them, then they're going to look more and more about how, what do I do with it? Well, and I'll give you an idea. Uh, You know, for folks who are regular listeners, you know that I'm very much an avid equity investor in addition to real estate. And a couple of things. Uh, One, uh, I don't engage in in speculation in in terms of a day trading sense, which means I don't transact in, in cryptocurrency specifically. Uh, but what I have done is engage in investment in a, a exchanges where, uh, you know, you can be part of the business itself. And my point of mentioning this is, to your greater point, some people have gone, oh, this is some new thing. It's going away. 
What we actually see is quite the opposite. As it's being regulated, that tells you that it ultimately has deemed to by government officials from the United States to around the world to have a place that needs and is worthy of being regulated. And the truth is, and we talk about this all the time, uh, as it pertains to a home, a home does have a function. Sure, it's a roof over your head, but ultimately, any home is worth what somebody else is willing to pay for it, not a dollar more or a dollar less. And same is ultimately the true uh, of the U.S. dollar or cryptocurrency, says the case. Maybe it's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it at that moment in time. And there, therefore, it does and will uh, continue to have a place in this world. And on that note, Eric, I just kind of wanted to get your final thoughts as we tie up uh, this very interesting and forward-looking conversation about cryptocurrency and transacting in real estate. Yeah, I'm super excited about the, the cryptocurrency space in general. And there's a lot of high investors in the crypto and tech space that are actively looking to transact in cryptocurrency. Because the more that people are adopting and seeing that cryptocurrency is used as a medium of exchange, the more people eventually would start accepting it. So I definitely see it rising in usage in the next coming years. And I think Lisa's right on point with the fact that there's a lot of investors from overseas that can't get cash money outside of their countries without major issues for like China, for example, or like Venezuela. And they want to make these transactions. So they have these huge crypto, tra- these huge crypto holdings that they're able to do. And then the fact that it's a super seamless transaction and there's a lot of companies now that are coming out that are trying to start handling the title process over blockchain and the title insurance over blockchain and all these different processes, we're just going to continue seeing the uh, the emergence of cryptocurrency being used as a medium of exchange, not just for smaller transactions, but large transactions like luxury cars, luxury airplanes, luxury yachts, and homes and real estate in general. So I'm, I'm personally really excited to see the space evolve over the next coming years. And I'm sure Lisa, as always, is going to be on top of it. Yeah, that uh, is terrific information, and you've been a wealth of information. Absolutely appreciate it. And, and Lisa, your your final thoughts on this topic for someone who is still trying to figure out what this might mean to them. Well, so if you have a luxury product, and that could be a beach area condo all the way, a golf community, mandatory country club where people come down and have maybe a villa for their you know weekends, they fly in and out to a a ultra luxury home, this is something that you need to make sure your real estate agent at least has an openness to and to explore. Sure. And it's one of those things where once again, your buyer may not be sitting here with the availability to funds. And so I think this truly, and I agree that, you know, in the United States, we may see uh, obviously, buyers and sellers choosing this for uh, for United States residents. However, I think the biggest opportunity is going to be our foreign investor. Yeah. And, you know, it's the workaround, the legal workaround for so many of these people that have money in their countries that it's just stuck. And so I do believe that you need an agent who understands this and is ahead of it. And I will tell you, I'm not seeing anybody talking about this in Palm Beach County. I think the only people that are even understanding this at all really have to do with that Miami market. And so we're diving into it. We're going to make sure that we get 100% of the buyers. And not only that, I'm going to be marketing to these countries saying, we welcome you. We welcome your money. Sure. Right. And so that we're going to get our listings out there to the right people so that we can have that competitive advantage. Because let's face it, 
the people in the in the field first always have the best chance and we're going to be first in Palm Beach County talking about this product. Well, it's uh, great information, and we've seen it uh, even in terms of the housing decline when the truths were ahead of the curve on short sales and making sure the best outcomes there and now in better economic times with the emerging opportunities that exist in real estate. And uh, it is terrific information that's available to you with the True Group. Buying, selling questions seven days a week. They're available uh, and ready to help you at 561-972-8326. That's 561 561- 972-8326. If you're not there, go to truerealestate911.com. And I am Brian Mudd. For Eric Neum of The Cashflow Doctor and Lisa True, we'll see you next time.